0: Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. As we're here in Philippians 4, and I just thank you for your generosity over the years. We're approaching decades that we have been able to serve the Lord together. and How you have responded over the years when it comes to just the regular need of the budget, just regular giving. When mission partners come through and Nicole puts a little spot in there where you can give to them, or we're a little drop down and you can give to camp to help kids go, and you just respond over and over just to help and, and many of you over the years have helped in so many different ways just pouring your lives into others there's challenges and we walk through some of those challenges with young people at camp even this week and we're going to continue walking through with them as um, we live in an environment that is continually coming after our children to destroy them To confuse them as if life isn't already confusing enough. We have to throw out the basics of creation. It's it's taking a toll on many levels of this next generation. And I just want to say thank you. And I believe that's the tone. Paul didn't borrow it from me, I'm borrowing it from Paul. This is how he's writing to the church. Just there in your Bibles, begin in verse 14 to get this whole section as he thinks about them as he's coming to the end of this letter and he is so overwhelmed with their love as he was overwhelmed with the love of Christ. I'm going to start there in verse 14, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except y'all, you only. He would have said that if he was from Kentucky. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that is increased to your credit. I have, this is the two verses for today, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And a little sneak peek for next week. It's all going to the glory of God. We're going to save that one for next Sunday. <laughs> I really believe that this letter that Paul is writing, this this letter of unbreakable joy, is really the Apostle Paul putting Romans 8.28 into practice. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. This is this is it in play. It's working out. And he says, we know this. And as he's writing this letter, this is a reality of that. It's, it's moved from just an intellectual knowledge and check the box. And I made the confession. I said the thing. This is where he knows by experience. God, in fact, works out all things to his honor and to his glory And for our good. And can we just pause right there for a moment? Do you see your life that way? This is our aim. Oh, that we would learn to glorify God. That's where it's all going. And this is how. Okay, so we as a church exist to glorify God. How? Well, we're going to see this. That we give thanks for every, okay, like Paul said, and everything give thanks. This is a personal section. Oh God, help us to glorify you and help us to give thanks for every first of all unforeseen problem. And I will tell you this, loved ones. This is hard. This is humanly impossible this does not come naturally for me. But you're a pastor, yeah. Paul was experiencing extreme need. He knew that trials and even persecution were all passing through the sovereign hand of God, that God is good and God is gracious and everything that came into his life, every blessing, every withholding of blessing, every burden, it came through a God and master who loved him. So Paul is here demonstrating just a tidal wave of unbreakable joy and thankfulness. I cannot be feeling sorry for myself and overwhelmed with thanksgiving at the same time. He loved them. He wanted them to follow in his joy-filled steps, but he couldn't make them do this. We can't make our children do this. We can't make our family members do this. But oh, may the Lord help us to set this kind of course in our lives. He wanted them to learn, don't fully rely on me. Fully rely on the Lord. I said it over and over again this week to that group of freshmen that will be in the fall. The only relationship we can totally trust and never lose is Jesus Christ. I heard that as a young As a young man on the radio. His name was Ron Hutchcraft. And I'd listen to his program and he spoke to teenagers every Saturday night. He would say it every week. It's seared in my brain. The only relationship we can totally trust, totally trust and never lose is Jesus Christ. Do you have a saving relationship with him? Paul says, I have received full payment What is he saying? This unforeseen problem here. He's come to the realization that God is sovereign and that God is good. So here when he was in need, Paul did not evaluate God through the lens of his trial or by the lens of his feelings. That leads to anxiety and confusion. Well, I feel, I think, look out Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things who can know it. The next verse, God. He knows all things. So Paul is here. He evaluated every single trial through the character, the lens of God, of Christ, of our Father, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he understood that in every season and in every situation, he was determined to, to give thanks because he knew God is always working for my good and for His glory, and I can trust Him. Listen to what Jesus said. He said this in Matthew 6 and verse 8. Teaching, and we walk through this in the Sermon of the Mount. And can I just say... As you're out and about through the week, all of our podcasts, all of the messages for years are all available on podcast. If you're needing something to listen to, it's all on YouTube. They're all in series. If you weren't here, maybe you recently came to Faith in Christ, and you want to go back, and you want to get Nehemiah, you want to go back and get all of these 1 Corinthians, all of these books that we have studied, they're all online. They're available. Fill your heart and your mind and life with the Word of God. And Jesus said, therefore, do not be like the people who live for everything else that is passing away. Does that describe you today? Here's my job. I got to do these things. I got to do those things. I need to do this. I wanted to do that. I go here. I go. Or is your life swallowed up into the kingdom of God? Does the kingdom of God set your agenda? Do not be like the people who are living like it's here and now only for your Father, and this is to those who are in Christ those who have repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus. Your Father knows the things you have need of. When? When does He know our need? Lord, I want to bring to your attention today. Oh, isn't He cute? Isn't He special? Before we ask Him, Matthew 6.32, for after all these, same chapter. Well, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? You know, all these things, the Gentiles, they live and die for. That's what they seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need, that you need all these things. Remember how Jesus says, "Can can you look out and see the birds? See the Father takes care of those? Aren't you of much more value than the birds? And what are you worried about? They're not worried. They'll build nests all over your house. Like thanks for the house. And no, I'm not paying any taxes. You can take that. I'm just going to live in your uh, little shrub out here, you know, or on your ledge. Matthew seven eleven. If you then now listen to this, Jesus says, all right, fathers, this great Father's Day message here. You then being evil. <laughs> All right, fathers, evil fathers, that's the title of that message. You being evil, you're evil, you're wicked, you're self-centered, you're selfish, and all the wives said, I'm not going to say anything, you know, I know that's true. And you know how to give good gifts to your children. You were born in sin, and you love to do stuff good for your kids, Now, just compare and contrast that. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things, not all things, but good things to those who ask him? He knows what we have need of. So Paul has learned this. My Father in heaven is good. We have a good, good Father. That's who he is. And that is where we get our identity. And so then Paul moves on. He knows that God is omnipotent and that he is near. You put these two things together, the sun is just powerful, but it's far enough away it doesn't strike us down. God is all-powerful, and he is, we just learned it, chapter 4, verse 5, the Lord is at hand. He is right there. He is near to you. He never forsakes you. His own. So Paul knew there's not going to be one trial that I will face in my life that I will face alone. Oh, that we would just just sink our roots right down into the promises of Scripture. And there will be promises for those who wrestle with anxiety. There's promises you need to take to the bank and you need to cash in on. If you belong to Christ. The Lord promised in Psalm 91. This is the same psalm that Satan used in the temptation, and he twisted it. If the Lord loves you, then he won't let you dash your foot. If the Lord loves you, then he won't let you fall. If the Lord loves you, why are you going through trials? Psalm 91, because, listen to the power here. The psalmist says, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. This is God speaking a promise. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, God says, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I will do all of this. The great commission promise of the Lord Jesus was restated and even amplified in Hebrews thirteen five. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. We're right back to if we're going to have joy, we have to learn to be content. Nothing steals joy like sin and simple envy. Oh, how come they got that? How come their health is better than mine? You, You can fill in the blank with so many areas. Be content with such things as you have for he himself has said, here's what you have. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You have me. You have me. The only relationship you can totally trust and never lose. If you have Christ, he has you and he will never leave you. Oh, his grace is enough. It's enough for me. It's enough for you. It was enough for Paul and it was enough for him to say it's corinthian church it's enough for you too he said this in second corinthians twelve nine. this is what the lord said to paul he wrote this to the church and he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness so then paul he takes this very thing that they were saying against him. this guy's weak you know he's weak in appearance he's a weak speaker i really like these other guys they're powerful they're really charismatic this guy he just really isn't that special And he says, but here's where I'm going to put this on my door, if he had a door. I'm weak. The weak apostle inside, right? He's here. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Well, that's great for you, Paul. But then Paul wrote earlier to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 9.8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Not just for the apostles, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Do you hear the superlatives there? I don't know. I think the Lord might be running a little short. You know, I'm not sure how business meetings are going. Are you kidding me? We're viewing God through the lens of our life and our economy and our issues. We got to turn that around. All grace, all sufficiency. You have it always in all things, an abundance for every good work. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to work with kids in VBS. Are you, trust the Lord, He'll supply what you need. We will glorify God, loved ones as we learn to give thanks for every problem, and secondly, for every extraordinary provision. Every extraordinary provision. The Philippian church, they heard about Paul's need, and they responded with what Paul called the title of the message, a fragrant offering, a sweet-smelling offering. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received the gifts, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. This gift is overwhelming, extraordinary. Here's how the Lord supplies for his work. Giving to God supplies the needs of Christ's workers. That's how ministry needs are met. God saves a sinner, changes their heart, and also saves their checking account if you will not separate they don't view that as separate like here's my salvation and over here is my financial life over here is my you know all these other things as you give to the lord that's how disciples are made the local church is grown and ministries around the world we make disciples here and around the world Churches that make disciples in a healthy way, they plant churches, and this requires the supply. And you give, and our office administrator, Nicole, she does a fantastic job and has for two decades to make sure that everything given is accounted for and goes where it is intended to go. And I'm so thankful. And that's actually what Paul is saying here. This isn't a fly-by-night operation. This is, you gave, here's your receipt. Okay, so sometimes like, oh, I just give in cash. Sometimes, not always, sometimes people do that because they don't really wanna see the record of their giving. But loved ones, we will stand before the Lord one day and he records our giving. Is it a sweet-smelling savor? And we're gonna unpack this, and Paul is just overwhelmed with their generosity. Giving to God should always be offered willingly, never motivated by guilt, never motivated by pressure. We ought never to give because we just feel feel the guilt or the weight or what are people gonna think about me? That is not the best motive for giving. Giving to God should be offered sacrificially, not leftovers. And giving to God should be offered faithfully. So let me ask you, what's your strategy, what's your plan for giving? And where does it fall in, as you work through your bills, as you work through your life, your financial, where is it? Okay, I've got to pay this, and I've got to do this, and i got to do the other. Oh, and there's what's left. I'm going to give some to the Lord. Oh, wait, I need to go eat this afternoon. I'll give it next time. That's how it happens if it's not in first place. And the most important aspect of all of our giving back to the Lord is delayed, postponed, punted. And we miss out on what Paul said. I want you to get in on this and the blessing to be yours. Not primarily that my need is met. The Lord, He'll meet my need one way or another. Or He'll make me okay when He doesn't meet the need in the way I was asking giving to God is to be abounding from gratitude and that is spiritual worship so when we give to the Lord and we're writing a check or we're clicking online or however we do it or we're putting it in the box, whatever it is, and we say, thank you, Lord, for giving Jesus for me and I'm giving back a portion to you. I'm giving it to you. And I said it maybe last week. If somebody gives, you know, and they're on a limited income or a child and they give a little bit into the work to the, whatever the missionary is that comes or they give, they're part of the whole and the Lord will supply, and the Lord will meet the need. Worship that is pleasing to the Lord always begins. Listen to me now. God doesn't, first of all, want your money. He doesn't, first of all, want your service. He wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your life, and then everything else comes with that. He wants you to seek, first, the kingdom of God, and then he'll take care of all of those other areas in your life. Romans chapter 12, it sounds so much like this as Paul talks about offerings and the sweet aroma. It's not demanded by God. They're giving to Paul. It wasn't Paul demanding them. He was thankful that God opened their heart. And he says in Romans 12 verse 1, he says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. That's where you begin. Present you as a living sacrifice. He doesn't want you dead. We're not committing jihad. We're not going to die and we'll call it good. No, he wants us to live. That's actually harder is to live a life devoted to the Lord than it is to just say, you know, I'll just, I'll just take one for the team and out, out I go. No, no, living sacrifice. And what does that look like, Paul? Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual, your worship. It's what you offer to the Lord. It's how you serve him. So he says, do not be conformed to this world and our kids and you too. And some of you work in environments that are trying to press you in the mold, press you in the mold. This is how and the only way you can think. And you've got to be accepting of everyone the way we define accepting, but we will not tolerate you or your belief, no, do not be conformed. Don't be pressed down into the mold of the world, but instead be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. And here he says what describes the way they would give an offering in the Old Testament, what is good and acceptable and without blemish, perfect. It's just over and over in the New Testament, there's, a, there's this worship that is still connected except we don't give our lives and we don't give animals because Jesus died and we look back. So then we say, well, he gave his life for me. What can I give to him? What can I offer to him? Christ-like giving is characterized by, by grace and it's characterized by generosity it's generosity that is extraordinary. It's just overwhelming. And Paul is just noting this. Can you turn to Second Corinthians chapter eight in your Bibles? I want you to see this in the context. Go to Second Corinthians chapter eight. It's a, a section where Paul is writing to the Corinthians. They are super wealthy. When Paul does the math for the church at Philippi, he's like, How did they come up with this much money? They're not wealthy like the Corinthians. This gift is extraordinary. This is unbelievable. Uh, Steve Lawson says it this way. He says, more than meeting the needs of God's ministers, the highest aim for our giving, the highest aim is the pleasure it brings to the Father. So let's not be driven by, oh, oh, what's needed in the building, what's needed in the budget. Let's be motivated and driven by what is pleasing to my Father in heaven who gave his Son for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is right and he says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia For in severe, a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Verse three. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, actually, and beyond their means of their own accord. It was their own doing. And look at verse four. This is where it got uncomfortable for them when they were receiving the offering to take for those who were suffering in in Jerusalem the Christians, the church, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. They were pressuring them. And the the apostles and the delegation were like, no, 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 you can't give that much. And they were begging them, no, no, please meet the need. We're indebted to them. Please take our resources and bless them. Verse five in this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves, here it is, just like Romans 12.1, first to the, who did they give themselves to first? To the Lord. And then by the will of God to the Lord's servants, to us. So accordingly, verse six, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, talking to the church in Corinth, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness, And in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Don't leave this area out. Don't miss out on the blessing here. Grace giving is far greater than law giving. I have to. Here's my 10%. No, no. These offerings in the Old Testament... They were, there was offerings that were sweet-smelling. They were pleasing to the Lord. They were free will offerings, and people brought them, and there was a sweet aroma that came up out of the tabernacle, up out of the temple, and it was pleasing to the Lord. That's what this language is. We see also that we don't just give thanks for every problem, but also for every extraordinary provision, and also for every faithful person. Every faithful person. That God delivered this offering through a person. People gave, they sent a person, and he went. And Paul says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. You gathered this offering, you gathered the gifts for gospel ministry, and here's your receipt. Thank you for your gift. This is what the Philippian believers did for Paul. They gathered a gift for the ministry of the gospel. They heard about the need. They received. They gathered. Let's give an offering, you know. Well, I'll sell a goat. I'll sell this. I'll do that. I'll sell some vegetables. Whatever they did, I'll do an extra project. We'll put that. And they gathered the money. They put it together. And this is all for the gospel ministry. What kind of aromas attract you? Somebody fires up, you know, a barbecue grill in the neighborhood and you came home with your fast food and you're like, oh man, how well do I know them over there? You know, <laughs> hey, neighbor, what, me? come over? Oh yeah, throw that away, I'm there. Okay, so when you think about this sweet smell, maybe you like to bake in the kitchen, you walk in the house and somebody's been baking and you're like, "Ooh, that smells good. I want some of that. No, get back. Not ready yet, right? I, I, but I, I want some of that. Think about all of the aromas that are pleasing. Listen, when I uh, was in college, I worked for Greyhound Bus Line. Just an exciting job it was. And uh, sometimes, I won't say his name, but he wouldn't show up to relieve me at 2 in the morning. He would call about 2.30. Hey, I'm, I'm not going to make it. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah, I've been here a half hour without you, so I was kind of putting that together. Yeah, my car is not working. Well, did you know your car wasn't working at 11 o'clock last night, maybe? So there I am, hungry, and right down the road from the Greyhound bus station in Springfield, Missouri, was a bread factory. Now, we're talking torture here. <laughs> Three in the morning, four in the morning, and they fire up the ovens, and I'm starving, you know, just have pity on me. I was, I was just awful, shriveling up, drying, drying away. I just, and all of a sudden, I'm out sweeping, you know, trash off the lot, just rejoicing as I was for all the problems and all the trials. Uh, where is he at? He's supposed to be here. And then I start smelling like the cartoon, the, the aromas coming down the, coming down the road, and I could just lift right off the ground and just float over to like bread. I was so hungry and it was just torturous to me. That's the idea. When Paul, this offering comes, it's like a sweet smelling aroma of, oh, this is so good. This is so pleasing to the Lord. I praise God for the constant giving of you, his people, over the years. Pleasing to the Lord. Kindness showed in so many ways to me, to my family, to the church staff. So many ways you have blessed us with your, not just your giving, but with your whole lives sharing life together and i will tell you sometimes it's when you make the phone call into a difficult situation that you say i'm gonna i'm gonna open this difficult area in my life i'm not just gonna give you you know all the put together wonderful areas of our lives but actually we're struggling in our marriage and can we talk? Or there's something going on with children. Can, can you help us? Can, we, can you pray with us? That's when you're, you're part of a relationship where you're not just doing everything's fine. You know, brother, wise it's all great? No, sometimes we go through some real difficulty. And we're sharing life together. We have people giving online, that they're being fed by the word, and they give, and, and the Lord just supplies in ways that we didn't ever see coming 10 years ago. And it's just, it's right to do what Paul was doing and say, thank you, God, and thank you to those who give, because God has opened their hearts. This is what he writes to the Corinthians, trying to help them get things together. Uh, you know, he was trying to show them, like, there's other churches that are poor, and they're getting it together, and they're giving sacrificially, uncomfortably, sacrificially. It's 1 Corinthians 16:2. This is our instruction still. It's on the Lord's Day, the first day of every week. Each of you is to put something aside and store it up. Now listen now, as he may prosper. Okay, so if you are on a limited income, if you are trying to get finances together and you're not able to give right now the way you want to give, trust the Lord with that. Don't give out of guilt. Don't give out of obligation. Get your house in order. Okay? Don't look at well, somebody else gave, and I was only able to don't don't do comparing. Look at what Paul says. I'm not making this up. As he may prosper, according to what the Lord has given to you. So if you're not making a lot right now, the Lord is not disappointed in you. And then he says to this church that was really wealthy, hey, you need to get going. If you've been blessed and it's just kind of out back and I've got this and I've got that and I've got all these other things, hey, don't let there be a rush to collect this offering when I get there and it's really uncomfortable. Oh, we weren't ready for this. What do you got? Like, I got some, I got like, oh, I've drunk half the water. I could give that. What else? Well, we got some tissues here. Do they need a microphone stand? We got a couple of those. That, you, you ever been there where somebody wasn't ready and it's uncomfortable? Paul says, get ready. The church then, they gathered the offering, and then they sent out the messenger of great mercy, and that's what the church does. The gift, that offering, they couldn't wire transfer it to Paul. They had to deliver it. I grew up in the West, and you can go in some little sightseeing areas. I remember being, uh, I think it was the Royal Gorge, and we were headed out to this, you know, place. It's, you can look it up, Royal Gorge. And I remember being in the, whatever we were riding in to get to this little tram, this little car, this little train across this Royal Gorge, and they were telling us, you see the cave over here? That's where bandits would hide out, and the stagecoach would come through, and they would jump out of the cave, and they would, it." I'm looking in the cave, you know, as a kid, like, Uh-oh. oh they're not there, we're good, we're going to make it, no problem. Okay, but it was dangerous if they Wells Fargo, the stagecoaches, all the bandits, all the thieves constantly trying to take the wealth, find out if there's somebody in there of value and we can kidnap them or whatever it would be. Epaphroditus, hey, we have a really large offering that needs to get to Paul. Who's willing to take it? Epaphroditus. What was this guy's stature? We don't know. We'll find out when we get to heaven. How big is this guy? Or is he simply a man of great character and confidence in the Lord? He says, I'll go. When I was born, I was devoted to the evil goddess Aphrodite, Aphrodite. And now I'm devoted to the Lord. And if I live, I live. And if, I, if something happens to me on the way, blessed be the name of the Lord. Give me the offering. I'm going to see Paul. And his health, he almost did die, Paul said. He was at the edge, at the brink of death. And the Lord said, and the Lord showed mercy on me and on him. I couldn't have, I couldn't have bear born under the weight of him dying. So he brings this and his name means lovely. Oh, this is lovely in the sight of the Lord. It's lovely in the sight of Paul. This is a faithful messenger. It's somebody that actually took 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain. In the Lord. It's not in vain. You've been here long enough. You know, it's a favorite scripture verse of a faithful man of God who's in the presence of the Lord now. I can't ever go through that scripture and not think of Richard. A faithful messenger. Oh, thank God for the. That person, don't just think people but think of the the person and he's connected to a church and number four, a guaranteed promise. A guaranteed promise. And this is where we get to verse 19. Man, my heart is just, it's just full. It's just full with God's goodness. Oh, loved ones, Let's face every blessing and every burden with confidence that we know and love the God who supplies all our need because he loved us first. This is a guaranteed promise here. This provision, listen now, is available only from God. He's the only one that can make this promise and Paul says, my God. This provident God, this sovereign God, this omniscient God, this omnipotent God, and my God. We know Christ. If we know Him as Lord and Savior, we have a perfect Father in heaven, and none of us have a perfect Father. And if we are fathers, we are not perfect. But we have a perfect, unfailing, undying Father in heaven. And he is able and willing to meet our need. So listen to what Jesus says again, Matthew 6, 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But here's what the children of God do. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all those things you're anxious about. They'll be added to you. As he sees fit in his time, They'll be added to you what you truly need. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, 117, he says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I use this verse as we are standing out in the tall pine chapels, uh, tall pine chapel, and all these massively tall pine trees. And when we started, and the sun is moving, and you could see the shadow moving on the ground, and... The reality is that James thinks about the sun that God spoke the son, put it into place, and the shadows change every day. They're changing right now, but the one who spoke that son, there's no change in him. There's not a hint of change. There's not a shadow of change in him. He is totally trustworthy, and he gives good and perfect gifts. Amen? This provision is offered freely to us, it's offered freely because someone else paid the debt. He says, and my God will supply every need of yours. And this pronoun is plural. So we can say it this way, and God will supply all y'all's needs. All right? It's not, it's not just you know personally, but it does involve people, but he's writing to a church And he's including everybody. And there might be somebody in the church like, but does that include me? I didn't give as much as they did in the offering. Yeah, you're part of the y'all. It's your. It's plural. It's not singular. We practice grace giving because we who have been saved have benefited from the, the grace giving of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He didn't have to come and die for us. We didn't deserve him to die for us, to take our place. And he died and he was buried and he rose again and he ascended and he adopted me into his family. And I, through my father in heaven, made a co-heir with Jesus Christ. I didn't deserve that. Ephesians 1 stresses all that God has done for us. Ephesians 1 uh, says it this way, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. He chose to love. He chose. He is God. He does whatever he will, and everything he does is good. And a million years from now, we will know and we will understand fully He is good, and everything that he did in my lifetime and your lifetime, he is faithful. He is faithful. This provision is beyond extravagant. It's far beyond extravagant. Okay, so their giving to Paul was extraordinary, but when Paul thinks about what God promises to us, he'll supply all, every need of yours according to his riches and glory. It's been said this way by old preachers, you can never outgive God. And it's true. But how much then does the Lord have at his disposal? He has more than enough. He's not running short. He doesn't have to worry about, you know, budget getting a little tight. Just listen to what God has done for rebel sinners who rep- repent and trust in the Lord Jesus. Listen to Ephesians 2. This is, where, this is, who, this is our resume. If you're in Christ, this is, it was you and was me. If you're here without Christ, this is you now. Dead. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 2 in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's none good, now not one. We're all unrighteous. Verse 4. Say those first two words with me. But God... All right, love those. But God, being rich in, what is he rich in? Mercy. Mercy. Because of the great, what does he have? Love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if you're in Christ, that's where you're seated positionally right now is with Christ Secure for all eternity, child of God, not because you deserved it, because you repented and you trusted in Jesus. Now, what is going to happen in all eternity? We are not going to sit on boring clouds with half clothes on, strumming harps with, you know, cherubs. Okay? Listen to where it's all going and why our giving is so liberal and generous. This is what God has planned for His children through Christ. So that in the coming ages, he might show the how much does he have in Christ? You can't count it. And his, in the coming ages, for all eternity, the Father is going to just show off the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us and who paid the bill. That's right. It is finished, paid in full, not just delivered from hell, but there's a future that we have. I have a future. You have a future in Christ. You have a home without end. This has all been paid for. This provision is by Jesus Christ. It's all found in Christ Jesus, and that's what Paul says, and my God shall supply every need of yours, all your need, according to his riches and glory. And who picked up the tab? Don't you love it when someone picks up the tab somewhere? You're like, man, I would have had the dessert if I'd have known they were gonna pick up the tab. I lied. Oh, I'm full, you know? And I just wanna pay for the $10 piece of pie. But if they were picking up the tab about that dessert, can we get that back? Thank you. This is all how good the Lord is to us He's the only way. He's the truth and the life. And what do people want? Well, how come there's only one way? If there were 10,000 ways, that person would say there should be 10,001. Here's the shocking reality. There is a way. And none of us deserve a way. Will you read John 3.16 with me? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. In Him, That never gets old. That never gets old. John 3.36, read it with me. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. 1 John 5 12, with me again. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. What question do you think I'm going to ask after that? Do you have, do you know, do you belong to the Son of God? Have you repented of your sins? and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, this message never gets old, and it can never be improved. It's the gospel. And none of us deserve this kind of goodness. I'll say it, and I'll keep saying it. I deserve to be in hell right now. I don't deserve to be here with you, shepherding this congregation but his mercies are new every morning. Do you know for sure your sins have been forgiven? Do you know without a shadow of doubt that heaven is your home? Then Lord, once that is settled, as your people teach us to glorify you, that we would give thanks for every unforeseen problem, every extraordinary provision, none of it that we deserve, every faithful person, and every guaranteed promise in your word. What is your next step? To offer your life as a fragrant offering to the Lord, as a sweet-smelling offering to the Lord. Maybe you need to trust in Christ like that young man did at camp this week. Stop playing games. Stop attending. Oh, maybe next week. You you can guarantee you'll have next week. You can't guarantee, nor can I, that I'll be here tonight. Have you made your profession of faith public yet and been obedient to Jesus to be baptized? If not, let's help you take that step as soon as possible. And when it comes to the giving of our lives, Our time, our talent, our treasure, that's between you and God, but let it be a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. Let's stand together. Father, will you help us to take that next step of obedience? Will you help us to surrender because you are worthy, Lord? I thank you for your cross, I thank you for your resurrection. I thank you for your word, for your spirit, and for your church. I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you're doing in us and what you will do. And we trust you. Help us to trust you more. For the one person or maybe more that's never come to faith in you, let today be the day that they admit they're a sinner, that they believe that Jesus Christ died for them and rose again, and that they would call out to you, confess their sin, and confess you as Lord, and trust in you today. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to you. You are always good and always faithful to us, and we thank you, and we trust you to meet our need. Use us to meet the needs of those around us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.